Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. Welcome to Wow Black, a seriously opinionated podcast, bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black. If black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all black everything. Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. You got Vince with you. And Art back in the building. Check out DRS Studios. They do all the recording for us. Hit them up at drsatl.com. We're here. Still in season two. Still crazy to believe that we are in season two. Yeah. All those episodes and all this we've done, we are still here, still, still growing. Moving. But for those of you who may be new, who may be tuning in because of our guest today or the topic, I want to take just a few moments and tell you a little bit about what Wild Black is. Wild Black is a podcast for us, from us, and by us. And it does only and exactly two things. The first thing is, we tell the stories of black folks who either by choice, by force, or in the name of survival, behave in a nuanced manner. So think code switching at work. How you may behave when you get pulled over by the police. The rules that we all know while shopping Wild Black, what to do with your hands, what not to do with your hands. We do this to remind our listeners that you're not alone. The issues that you deal with are dealt with by many. And we want to provide you with success strategies to help you overcome those and continue to live your life as positively as possible while black. Every episode has a guest, an expert guest who's credible and can give you some real advice. What's the second thing we do? We tell stories that black folks need to hear. You need to hear to be inspired, to act to grow because at the end of the day, Art and I both only want the best for you and the best for us. We want you to be the best version of yourself. We want our communities to be reflection of positivity and we want to continue to help us grow and go. So while we do that, we need your help. We need you to continue to listen, continue to share and continue to engage. So hit us up on our social media or shoot us an email. All that information is in the episode description on whatever platform you're listening to right now. And let's just have a conversation. If there's something you want us to talk about, hit us up. If there's a guest that you want to connect us with, please do so. We are active on these social media outlets and we will talk to you. Um, so don't forget about us. Share, comment, talk, and let's build something together. I want to move into the show today. As always, it's another good one. Today, we're going to talk about film, television, casting. And if you heard the episode with Dewey several weeks back, it was a great one. But today, we're bringing in the black woman's perspective. And we've got an amazing guest for you today. So, Art, brother, you want to tell them a little bit about the guest, man? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I'm going to read 
uh, Raven's bio real quick. Um, so Raven graduated from University of Virginia with a double major in theater and American studies. Double, that's two for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> One, two times, got you. Dose. Yes, 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 yes. She is an Atlanta-based director, producer, and casting director who began her career in casting at Tyler Perry Studios. While there, she participated in the casting of 15 feature films, seven television series, and seven theatrical productions. Whoa. She has had the privilege of working on projects like The Family That Prays, Why Did I Get Married To, The Marriage Counselor, and the most recent television series, The Haves and The Have-Nots. And if Loving You Is Wrong... On the Oprah Winfrey Network, Raven is the creator of two digital series, Good Girls and Brooklyn Blue Sky. Brooklyn Blue Sky was acquired by BET in 2017. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for coming and joining My us. My pleasure. My pleasure to be here. Welcome yes. to the show, Miss Raven. Thank Drummer. Tell you. us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah. yeah, you know, I grew up in the New York, New Jersey area. I don't know which one to claim because I grew up li- literally equally in both states. They both cold and East Coast. Exactly, exactly. But I've been in Atlanta for 11 years now. I love it in Atlanta. I've been working in film the entire 11 years that I've been here, <laughs> um, working in casting, love what I do, you know, love the opportunity to work with artists and actors and and help them begin or continue their careers as artists. That's awesome. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. I know you must get tired of people hitting you up just about anything. The moment you say (laughs) casting, Tyler Perry, and in Atlanta, everybody want a job. Right. I'm I'm an actor on the side. (laughs) Like I said, whenever someone hears that I work in casting, it's like, well, you know, I actually act, or they know somebody (laughs) that acts. So everybody wants to do this. Everybody. But I'm used to it now, I think. So... I know nice. you gotta be he, yeah. here. It's got to be. I mean, this is Atlanta. This is. I don't even want to say black Hollywood. Like movies are here now. That's this That's is what true. we do. Like right? heavy. Matter of fact, stuff. Maybe, Marvel. I want to say I read that more movies are now being made in Georgia than in California. Is that right? Yes, I know. I know, especially in 2017. But there were more films, and I want to say even more television yeah. series that were filmed here in Georgia than in Los Angeles. So mm. Georgia is changing. It's changing fast, and hopefully it's here to stay. But as a result, the market, the talent here is also changing quickly, too. So, yeah. yeah. Every babysitter we have come through the house is also an actress. <laughs> I'm sure. Every one of them. Trust me, there was a time where I'm like, you know, you wouldn't find like a lot of actors that were waiters. And here, like, I've gone to at least five different restaurants, and every time I go, and I'm like, oh, there's an actor here that now, you know, is working as a waiter. I'm like, this that didn't used to be the case a couple of years ago. So. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, I met one, I was at an event last night. I can't, she's on one of the Tyler Perry shows. I oh, yeah. cannot remember her name. Oh, yeah. I'm not even going to try to describe her because this is Atlanta and ain't going to help. But, no. You know. I've been in Whole Foods and saw the kids from like Stranger Things, like you name I it. I saw the Stranger Things kids at Pond City Market yeah, one day. You name it. They, really? They're here. They are here. They are here. So, yeah. I just want one of them to walk up to me one day and just be like, you know what? Here's a million for you. <laughs> <laughs> I dream about shit like that. <laughs> I won't turn down a million. I'll take that money. That might, that might come to pass, too. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. Well, listen, one of the things that we like to do is um, we like to warm up. 
and <laughs> have some fun. Okay. And if I, I think you've listened oh, yeah. to Dewey's episode, right? Yes. So you're familiar with the okay. wild black shit. Matter of fact, I think we kicked the wild black we shit did. off. He on was the, the first Dewey one. Episode. Yeah, that was oh the first God. one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh so goodness. We'll have some fun today. Okay. And you've been in Atlanta for 11 years, so one of these questions you absolutely qualify for. Oh, gosh. Shit, all of them. (laughs) (laughs) For all of them. Actually, I think her perspective on number one could be good because she's been up north. And And down down south. south. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's a good distribution. I want you to hit the second one up because I I will mess that up. Okay, okay, okay. So we generally will go through and we'll ask a few kind of cool, kind of get you open, get you okay. get you comfortable questions. Oh, gosh. Uh, and they always kind of crazy, right? And then we got a signature last question that we asked. Okay. That's, that's a beautiful question. But let me hit you with this first one. Okay. In the spirit of, of, of the time, right. um, you pick this word and then you tell me how would you pronounce it? Gosh. Is it pecan or pecan? <laughs> You know what? It's so funny. My dad is from Louisiana, so he always says pecong. And I'm like, well, what is you, a pecong? You actually had the accent pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. He's from Louisiana. Pecan. I say the northern part of me says pecan. I know. The north, but, I, but like I said, I have a father from Louisiana, so it's really just pecan or pecong. That's mm. it. It's not that. even pecan. You, it's pecan. Right. You, so you just going to throw you, pecan exactly, out the window. Exactly. Exactly. It's whole... just pecan or pecong. You have now offended more people than Donald Trump. <laughs> you threw pecan officially. It ain't even pecan ain't even in the in, right. the, in the running no more. <laughs> pecan. Pecan. Right, what about you, bro? What is it? It's pecan. That's that's the only way. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I could even. Yeah, that's. I don't the know only... what pecan pie is. That don't even sound right. <laughs> yeah, pecan pie. Pecan. Pecan yeah, pie pecan. sound like some shit make you sick. <laughs> it sound like you shouldn't eat that. Right. A pecan. All right, I'm going to hit you with question number two. You ready? No, when you're right on it. Oh, you, you, it's pecan. You, you peca- okay, all right. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You outnumbered. Yeah. I see. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, you get guest points and everything, but, <laughs> but it's, you outnumbered. You outnumbered. All right. This is a fun one. <laughs> oh, my How many times have the Yang Yang twins done came to the club? <laughs> I don't know. Oh. Come oh, on, Atlanta, yeah. 11 years. You got to know this. Dunn came to the club about 50, 11 times. Okay, 50, 11. That's mm, a good, that's a so good number. N- from now on, you need to know that. 50, 11. I got 50, you. 50, 11. As a matter of fact, you. listeners, as you run into Raven in the street, <laughs> you feel free to ask her that question. Yes. That should be her entrance question to wherever she goes. You know, it's been a long time since the Ying Yang twins, like, they've been, like, out, out, though. Like, mm, I think, classic. like, I think 2003 really classic, when I think Ying Yang twins, you know? Like, it's been a minute. It has. In a minute. But man, anytime you think of 511, <laughs> what is 511? <laughs> what is 511? It ain't like 24-7. I, do I, do I don't even know how we we 511 is a bunch. It's a whole bunch. Like is it hours? Is it minutes? Is it I mean what? It's all is it that. days? I mean, what 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 kind of all right, bro? Hit it with the last question. I thought provoked. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. This I'm is ready. our signature question. Okay. What do you love most about life while black? Oh, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. I love... Words like 511. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I love that we all have like this common culture or just like understanding of things of that that it only comes with just 
growing up in Black family households, whether it be 50 living or, you know, or things that you just learn culturally. Like, I love that no matter, like, who you meet, there's always going to be a thread of Black culture that you can identify with someone no matter what. So that's the best part about, you know, growing up Black. I love it. Sure. It feels to me, like you said, you can always see a little bit of yourself yes, in them. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and like, that's why it's so important that... We have us and see us, whether it be in film or where we work, you know, because it's important. We need, we have to see someone say, I, I see you. So I love um, that. Almost like how we can be in a corporate environment. You see another brother, sister, yes. and the head nod suffices. And you feel like you have an advocate for you just immediately. Right. I see, you know? I see the me and you and the you and me. Yes, 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 yes. All right, cool. So every episode is grounded in a dope quote. And this episode is no different. So I'm going to take a second. I'm going to read the quote. And then we just have a you know real quick reaction to it. Okay. And and listeners, for those of you all who may just really be starting to pay attention, again, we are talking um, casting, entertainment, television, and film today. We've got an amazing guest and Raven Drummer, casting agent here in Atlanta for Tyler Perry Studios. So keep that in mind as I go through this quote. The quote is, dreams are lovely. They are just dreams. Fleeting, ephemeral, pretty. But dreams do not come true just because you dream them. It's hard work that makes things happen. It's hard work that creates change by Ms. Shonda Rhimes. Hmm. So I picked that quote because when I think about entertainment or really any industry, right, where mm-hmm. we have found our way to as black people and have succeeded, we have had to fight hard. We've mm-hmm. had to drive and we've had to create change, right? The system didn't accept us as is. And I think that's very true in the entertainment space. So hearing that, what are your thoughts about that dope quote from Ms. Shonda Rhine? I love it. I love it. And it's so, it's so true. I was listening to something earlier and they were saying how like the artists a generation ahead of us had to like not only be excellent, but they had to be like legendary. So when you right. think of all like, the dope black artists, like you think of the Whitney's and the Michael Jackson's and the Prince's and even even like, you know, I feel like Angela Bassett's and like, they are all like literally at the top of the game, not even the, the black Hollywood, like the game. And it's so interesting. Like we're now at a place where because they work so hard, I feel like a lot of African-American artists, of course, we still have hard work to do, but we can also have balance, right. you know, because they sacrifice so much. Like we think about, you know, someone's like they literally died trying trying to maximize what they did and be the best at what they did. Right. Now, as black artists, we have like a privilege of being able to like take a vacation, you know, right, right. and still work hard, but to still find the balance. But I think that with that quote, especially in the arts, especially with actors, like people don't realize like it's always going to take more than what you think it's going to take. You know, it's always going to take something of you. There's always going to be like a big, big, big sacrifice because um, it's God's way, the universe's way of like saying like, are you really serious about this? Like how bad do you really want it? And that comes in the work. It comes in the consistency. It comes in, it's not going to look like what you think it's going to look like. You know, like the success as an actor or a writer or a director, whatever whatever it is, is inevitably going to be different than the idea that you have in your mind. But that's where the work comes in, you know? So, yeah. Makes me think, is his name um, Eric Thomas? Yeah. Yeah, where he talks about 
um, when you want to succeed, oh, yeah, more yeah. Yeah. to breathe. Yeah. Yes. He has yes. some dope stuff. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I haven't seen much from him lately, but he has some dope stuff. Yeah. Art, bro, what did you think about that quote, man? It's hard work that creates change. That resonates with me because Mm. I think um, Raymond's absolutely right. No matter if it's business or something in the creative industry or creative field, it it never looks like Success never looks like what you think the path to get to it looks like. Okay. You, right. it, 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 it always is a hell of a lot harder, a lot more difficult, a lot more challenges. Boring. Bo- <laughs> you know, yeah. like nobody yeah. talks it's about the exciting. boring, like it, the boring yeah. aspect of Sleepless it. nights, yeah. extremely hard work, the, the thoughts that you can't do it, you can't make it, getting inspired and then motivated, and then the ups and downs of emotional, hey, is this the right thing that you should be doing? Mm-hmm. I mean, it is extremely hard to follow a dream. And I think um, I think she hit it on the head. And I don't know if, if, if uh, Shonda, that came from her experience and that's how she reflected against her experience or something that she read or how was she inspired by. But that's a great, that's a great motivational piece to help people understand that, hey, none of this is just easy or given to you. Mm-hmm. It ain't how it works. I think what I love the most about it was how she described dreams as being Fleeting, ephemeral, pretty. <laughs> they don't come true. Um, but at the same time, she talks about indirectly, like the dedication you have to have to them, even when they're doing all this changing, even when it looks like they won't come true, yeah. even when it looks like people are in your way and blocking you, you still got to be dedicated and working hard, which is really hard to do when you don't see success. Yeah. Right? It's really hard to do when you don't see success in yourself, when you don't see success happening around you. And when you don't see examples of success in society that you can look up to or, or aspire to, which going back to your point, Raven, about Sidney Poitier mm-hmm. and, yes. and all these, these people who have become our entertainment heroes who blazed that trail when they didn't have many people to look towards or follow or walk behind. They had to do all that when they didn't know if there really was a tomorrow. Like they literally didn't know if there was tomorrow, mm-hmm. but you still had to drive and push so hard today in order so that we can afford to find success and rest or that balance that you talked about. Yeah. And, and that's what I think is beautiful. And then, and Shonda Rhimes herself, I think she's an example because whether or not you like her work and I tend to love her work, mm-hmm. when you look at what she the hell amazing. she's done. Yeah, she's right? I the mean, most prominent, successful showrunner in Hollywood. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, she's the highest paid woman on the Netflix, you know, roster right yeah. now. Like, you yeah. know. She's doing, she's doing her thing. So. Shonda, I'll take that million. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> right, Shonda, you can come on the show too. <laughs> come check us out. All right, so we'll, we'll move into our, our civil right or civil wrong. And for you, Raven, and for those listening, this is just a section where we determine if something is good for the culture mm. or bad for the culture. Mm. And today's is a little bit different than what we normally do. 
Um, this is going to be more of a, a hypothetical. There's no way, there's no real way to prove this out. So I'll, I'll break it down like this, right? We often, just like we just talked about, we hear how much success comes from struggle, especially in our communities, right? We hear things like, if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. I see that on Facebook at least every other day, every other week or so. Someone's, saying, someone's putting that line out. So it makes me think about entertainment, film, television, Hollywood. We've not always been accepted. Mm-hmm. There are questions to ask, you know, how, how accepted are we even today? Mm-hmm. So here, here's the question that I have. If you think about entertainment discrimination from specifically like a casting standpoint, mm-hmm. are we better today, better positioned today, or worse because of it? And, and I'll explain that a little bit more. Um, if you think about people like Oprah, people like Tyler Perry, you think about the Will Packers and the Spike Lees, even John Singleton, all these people who have found success, I, I tend to believe that you find success often in the face of adversity, right? When someone mm-hmm. tells you no, it pushes you to drive harder and, and do more. So the real question I have is, do you think that the discrimination in the entertainment industry has pushed us to find a higher level of success that maybe we wouldn't, that maybe we would have even gotten without that discrimination being there in the first place? Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. What are your thoughts on that? I don't know what's right, but... No, I do think that... I do think that discrimination in the entertainment industry has definitely pushed us higher for sure. I think that we are at a place across the board when it comes to entertainment, like, where we've never been. Like, Black people, culture, things, like, we're really trending right now, for sure, in the projects that are coming out. I think something that's of interest to me that I feel like we still haven't, that we're still trying to figure out is ownership. Mm. And what I mean by that is I still think there are a couple areas where we're still waiting for validation. And I am very interested in how are we going to own our own content and what we Mm -hmm. produce entertainment-wise. And I think... Only two people have really done that, and that's Oprah and Tyler. Right. You know, um, yeah. whereas everybody else, like I love Spike Lee. I think right. he's brilliant, but he doesn't own what he creates. Right. You know, he has a seat at the table. He doesn't he, own. Yeah, the table. exactly. And right. I think like what I want to see more of is us owning our own studios and our own rights and our own words and things like that, mm-hmm. because that creates generational wealth, you know? Amen. And that, so, so yeah, so I do think that we, in terms of success, we are at a place where we haven't seen in a very long time, but I still think that there's, there's another, I don't want us to get, we're not there yet, but I don't want yeah, us to get trapped into the, into the studio systems accepting us and our stories because it's hot right now. And then when something else is hot, it's like, okay, well, that was hot in 2018. Right. But now it's 2022. This, something else is hot. Versus if we own it, we get to determine like, okay, this is what I want to put out. This is the audience that I've built. And here it is. I don't have to rely on someone to say yes in order to tell my story. We want more Tyler's, more Oprah's, yes. more... Ownership. More, um, more ownership. More, more Master P. Yes, more, yeah, yeah. absolutely. More Jay absolutely. Prince, as we, thought we talked about. People who own yes. from Ruta to the Tudor. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Art, what do you think about that, man? I mean, I don't know what else to add. 
I'm glad I asked you before you asked me. Because I'm going to say, hey, I'm just going to go right back to it. My word is ditto. Right. Mm. It's it's a push, though. Like, I I, I can appreciate that thought process because it, one is complacency, right? We can't, we we cannot get complacent. So you get to another seat at the table, right? Or you get to another level, like, as, as, as we grow as black people, but don't think that that's the 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 level that we should stay at. Yeah, like right. everybody should continue to aspire for for greatness and in no complacency. So, like, don't let this money we making fool you. Correct. Right. No matter how big it get, you could get even more generational yes. wealth, and that's the the, but that the real prize. Too, you yeah, know? So, yeah, that's yeah. a long that's a long game, and yeah. that's even harder. Right? Oh, that's, yeah. that's that's like, oh, okay, yeah, my dream was this. I just wanted to be on some shows, and yeah. now it's. Man, I could actually have a studio. Yeah, yeah. Are we, are we growing in the right direction? I hope so. I hope so. Um, and I think I think we are. Um, I think like right now we're at a place where it's like, okay, we got the content. Like mm-hmm. we, we can actually see ourselves now because for a couple of years now like, it was it was nothing. Mm-hmm. So now it's like we can see ourselves. But now it's like, okay, now that we see ourselves, what are we going to do with that? You know, right. like those people who do have a seat, especially those young people coming up, the Lena Waits and Easter Rays. It's like, okay, you have a seat at the table. Now, how are you eventually going to take that seat and then have your own platform where now you don't have to wait for HBO to greenlight you? You right. know. You know, one 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 thing that I think is important, one key for that is hmm. as we begin to create those platforms in which we have ownership to drive and tell the stories of us, for us, by us, when we have that real control, my concern then turns into as a people, will we support? Mm. Because like, be, just being honest, right? I've been in marketing for years. African-Americans are often so hyper brand focused, mm. right? Yeah. So it makes me think about Netflix boom and succeeding. It, black folks aren't the only people who watch Netflix, but we are loyalists and we're religious with it. Mm-hmm. But I, I begin to think about like Dame Dash has been telling this story for years that he's trying to create his own platform where he's putting his own movies. Now, yeah. granted, I, it depends if you like his movies or not, mm-hmm. but... Is he getting, is his, is his platform breaking through? Mm. I, mean, I can't remember the name of it right now, but that also says something. I was going to say, that. yeah. That also says something, right? Yeah. I can't remember the name of it because I'm not focused on it. Yeah. So does it take a, a Tyler Perry or an Oprah or someone with huge, powerful name recognition to be the Sydney Poitier and blaze that trail so that then Dame Dash can come behind or... Raven Drummer can come behind hmm. and and do something. So, and in short, like, I really want us to get to the point where we are owning and we are doing it our way and telling our stories. But what has to be a very fast follow is as people of color, as a nation and community of color, we've got to learn how to, like, really support. We've, we got, to, we've got to be able to break away from just Netflix and go consume Black flicks, right? I don't know what the hell it is. <laughs> but we have to find a way to support because it's a symbiotic relationship. You can't have one without the other. It's a really, it's, it's a very, very, very interesting point. Yeah. It is. And it's wonderfully problematic. <laughs> I guess, I guess it's like, and I don't really know what the answer of it to it is because I think of like a Tyler Perry and I'm like, 
a very specific type of black person supports him in everything right. that mm-hmm. he does. Right. You know? And we argue about that. We, we Exactly. But And then I think about like Oprah and I think about like Owen and when I think about it, I'm thinking like, you know, her content changed from more geared to what she had on the show to yep. very black, you yep. know? And, and to that point, it struggled at and, first. And, right, but it really started succeeding when she started focusing. And now I look at, look at her content, I'm like, okay, we got Sweetie Pies, we got Love Is, we got Have and Have Nots, we got Queen Sugar. It's, it's, it's a lot. It's definitely black focused. She's and, Oprah now. Right. She's she <laughs> Exactly. You know, so she I... She on a new level. Exactly. So I think, like, I do think there are certain instances where people have built loyal audiences. True. But I think maybe, I don't know, like, and this is a question I have in terms of, like, there's a lot of diversity within blackness. True. You know? And maybe it's, maybe we, maybe like a Dame Dash shouldn't try to be, shouldn't try to appeal to all black people. Right. But his specific Niche. type of black person that's right. going to be attracted to his stuff. You right. know? So maybe, I don't know if the issue is like, you know, the same audience that Tyler, the, the same black audience that Tyler Perry may have, it's not the same black audience right. that a Dame Dash will have, but maybe he just needs to find his niche within blackness. Right. There's enough yeah. of us to support most yeah. everything. Because yeah. right. yeah. I, I, was, I was coming back to the thought process of, is the premise correct that black people don't support black content? And when I think about own and how it did struggle right. initially, but then it up black blew content. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and Tyler Perry spots, I mean, they, they've they been blowing up for Decades, ever. yes. Uh, I, but I think you're right. I think there is a lot of diversification in thought in black people and what content 100. different mm-hmm. black people like. And that's probably, yeah. the, that's the segments of, of black people. Maybe... Maybe somebody needs to do a marketing study around what the segments of black people <laughs> that is, are. That's interesting, actually. Yeah. Sure. I bet you Netflix has it. I bet you they, they, probably, do. they do. They, do. they yeah. probably do. Yeah. If you think about it, they've got to, right? Because they the roll out stuff that they roll out too. Stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 And they got everything from Dear White People to Luke Cage, and they got stuff on the on the opposite. I mean, they yeah, they, they've absolutely got yeah. it. They Regardless, got I want to see us win. Right. <laughs> All right, are we ready to officially move into this question and answer section? Let's get it. All right, let's do it. Listeners, we've got Raven Drummer on the show today. She is casting director, producer. She does a whole, whole bunch of stuff, real talk. Mm-hmm. She's pretty dope here in Atlanta. And we're going to ask her some questions about the industry, about casting, about Hollywood, about being black, about being a black woman. We're going to get to some things that hopefully inspire you to get up and go do, get that story that's been sitting in your head out on paper, find a way to go start working because I guarantee you, you're not going to find any success while you're sitting on the couch thinking about the ideas that you wish you could do. So we're going to help you go do them. Raven. Yes. What does a casting director do? That's a great question. Yeah, we're going to start real basic. Thank you, wife. Real basic. <laughs> you know what? I don't think anyone's ever asked me that too. Um, so my job as a casting director, I am the human resources of, of film production. So okay, when it comes to work. talent. So my, it's my job to take a script, uh, to have a conversation with creative team and find talent that best matches what the writer, director, producer are looking for and thinking about creatively. So right. I bring, I, you know, I work probably 90% with actors. Sometimes I do like singers and dancers as well. But I work with finding the best actors, presenting them to producers, and then producers actually make the final decision to Mm -hmm. say like, hey, we want to put this person in our movie or in our television show. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Do you love it? 
I do. I do. It's it's creative. It's different every single day. And I feel like I'm playing a lot of times. Like there is definitely an administrative part, which I try to pass on to more of my assistants. <laughs> like y'all do the, the paperwork. But um, but um, but yeah, it's creative. I get a chance to be in a room with actors and, you know, usually I'm reading with them. So right. I feel like I'm playing in a scene with them all day, you know? Well, Art and I are putting our pitch in because we act. We um, Every Come day on. we act like our, our lives matter in this country. <laughs> right. Message. <laughs> Brilliant acting jobs, guys. Brilliant. Yes. Quote, unquote, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so tell us this. We have heard the normal black casting story of mm-hmm. this part wasn't written for someone who looks like me or they wouldn't talk to me or take time. I don't know what the right terminology is, but they wouldn't sit down. They wouldn't let me read for them or whatnot. But what's black about casting? And then even more specifically, potentially more importantly, what's not black enough about casting? Ooh, what's black about casting? What's not black enough about casting? Um, I am blessed that like, I was literally sitting here thinking, I'm like, I've never had a, like a white boss. <laughs> you know, like everyone I've always worked for has been like someone of color and mainly black. But that is, um, that's like, for me, that's almost completely far. It, right. It's crazy. But as I think about it, I'm like, yeah, I've never. But, um, but what's, what's black about casting is honestly now, I will say now I'm seeing more roles open to African-Americans right. and to, like I said, that diversity of black people. You know, it used to be like, you think about like the types back in the day. It was the Morris Chestnut or the Nia Long or the Gabrielle Union or Cupid Gooding Jr. It was like, unless you were kind of in those, like somewhere in there, like it was going to be real hard for you to make a name for yourself. Now we're seeing someone like a Donald Glover who is like this real, you have a very eccentric guy, you know. He does not fit the mold that we used to apply. Anybody's mold and is really doing his thing. You know, so I see... So you're saying, I got a shot. You absolutely have a shot. (laughs) Absolutely. So I think that now I see Blackness as being presented differently. And as a result, a lot more artists have a lot more opportunities that that they wouldn't have had back in the day. You know, what's not Black about casting, and this is more from like what other... I speak with about other casting, you know, directors and assistants is that there's still a long way to go, you know? There's still a long, long, long way to go in terms of, you know, we still are doing Disney Cinderella's and like don't really have like... Mm. Con- like we don't... This, the concept of someone being black in a Cinderella, you know? It's still not... I mean, like, yes, we had Brandy, but still, it's still not being actualized enough, you know? I still... We're still surprised when we see even the conversation come up. Yes. It's or not even, normalized enough yet. Or even or like... Or someone says, hey, I need a black Cinderella. Right, exactly, you know? Or even just the fact that, like, even like on a small, much smaller scale... I do a lot of workshops. I work with a lot of actors. And uh, a lot of times I ask them to bring a monologue. And black women especially bring the same, like, two and three monologues all the time. It's something for, for colored girls or Raisin in the Sun um, and or August Wilson's. And it's like, that is the only, that's the only content that we have, you know? And I had a director it's like, who said your your responsibility is to increase the content that we have available for black actors. So the black, the non-black aspect of it is, it's hard to find where you fit 
especially when it comes to you growing up and especially education and especially in high school, because there isn't a black Peter Pan or there isn't a black whatever. So you're kind of always being pushed to like a supporting role or like dancer number five or whatever it Mm. is, because there still isn't something that is genuinely authentically you. You're always either trying to fit into somebody else's mold or you're being pushed to the outskirts. So. What would your monologue be? What do you mean? Like if I was auditioning yeah. or what was the, trust me, I was, I was, I acted. I did all three of those black monologues. <laughs> that's what all the black girls did. I've done all three of them because that's all there was to do. So, uh, so trust me, I, I couldn't find it either. I, I still am to the point where I'm still looking or I'll have to find a role that was not meant for a black character right. and play that. We need to we need to make sure that Furious Styles from Boys in the Hood gets his shot with as a monologue. Like I'm gonna do anything he said. I don't remember it right now, but I'm. But I you, just remember you, that, how that's gonna it be felt. your monologue. That's it for me. <laughs> All right. Hmm. So you you mentioned the fact that you've only had black bosses, right? And, we, and yeah. we, we're talking about what is not black enough about casting, or what mm-hmm. is black about casting. So mm-hmm. it makes me think. In your experience, because you, I think your experience is probably very unique to it is. most people it listening is. in or outside of the industry. Yeah. And the fact that you've been under the the housing, if you will, of black organizations that are actually doing something really, really positive. Yeah. So, so with that, have you still seen and had to experience much when it comes to racism, even being inside from, because I know that they're bringing in people. It's Tyler Perry Studios is not just a place of people that, he groomed and he created because mm-hmm. it's so large. He's bringing in people from all over the place, all Everywhere. type of industries, white, yeah. black, brown, Asian, Hispanic, everything is going to be there. So does it change? Does the racism and bias change? You know what? I will say like, for me, I have been blessed to be to work at a place that was very concerned about diversity. Mm-hmm. And it's very evident in the shows that, that I do, that we cast, mm-hmm. very evident. Um, what I, I am interesting, like interestingly more concerned about is um, all those actors that are that are in the especially the Atlanta market mm-hmm. that I want to prepare them for something that isn't a TPS project. And what I mean by that is, you know, TPS, Tyler Perry Studios, yes, yes, right, yes. Okay. It's like, and, I, and what I mean by that is that, and especially when it comes to black actors, we are comfortable with our own, which is great, which I love. So we know how to perform for a Tyler Perry. We know how to perform for like a black gospel play. But if I want to put you in Stranger Things, I want to make sure that you're prepared for that too, you know? And so I want to put you in a, even like a Dear White People, like it's different. It's very different. Like I want to make sure that you're prepared for no matter what project, because as actors, you have to be versatile. So for me... I feel like I haven't necessarily directly experienced any type of racial divide, diversity within my workplace because mm-hmm. I've just been blessed to work at a place that's very concerned about diversity. But I see how um, there are a lot of performers, especially of color, where it almost feels like we're starting like five years behind what other actors have already right. been doing and have already mastered. Right. So mm-hmm. you, uh, you mentioned you wanting black actors outside of Tyler Perry studio uh, films and television shows to be ready and prepared to go do a Stranger Things or go do Ballers or or wherever they may go. So it it made me think um, during this, during the recent 
um, elections, the gubernatorial race down in mm. Florida, mm. Uh, Trump inferred that one candidate may not be as good as the other because mm. of the schools they went to. So it made me immediately think, do people from outside of the black entertainment industry, do they or non-black folks, do they mm-hmm. have negative perspectives or perceptions rather of those who come out of Will Packers mm. or who come out of Tyler Perry's or even Oprah's? Do they look at them as they're almost like they're less than actors? You know what? I think they look at them as they're not money-making actors, you oh. know? So, which if it makes them less than... I, I'm not quite sure, but I feel like they don't think of them as someone that they can put in Thor and right. then that's going to bring an audience because they're in it, right. you know? So I think that they look at them as actors as, eh, they're not going to bring the audience that we want. They're going to bring that one certain audience, but they're not going to bring, right. you know, the global audience that we're looking for. Right. But they also don't give them a chance <laughs> as well, you know? Right. So I think that they're, is a, you know, I think that there has to be an an infiltration, I think, mm-hmm. of of actors in more prominent. Like, I love that we have, like, a Chadwick Boseman in, like, a Black Panther, you know? Yeah. And I love that, like, I love that that exists. And it's, like, the reality is, like, we got one. Right. You know, we, we got, got one. one. We got you one know? black superhero. We got one black superhero. We still got a long way to go. Marvel got well, how we, many Marvel we, we, we got Black Lightning. Okay, we got Black Lightning. <laughs> you know, we got the CW. Listeners, if you can see the face, <laughs> that sounds like some moonshine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But it's Luke like, Cage did get canceled. Yeah, I know. Right. I know. Right. But it's like, I still think that we have work to do. I love that I see it, though. Like, I, I love that I do see it see it happening. I still think that we have some, you know, some strides to make, right. but I love that I see it. What can we do to help? And I don't mean us in this room. I mean mm-hmm. us as a community because like Black Panther is the obvious go-to example yes. because it, it was is recent, right? It, it was yeah. mega Amazing. successful. Yes. But we've had successful before. Mm-hmm. What does it take to convince white Hollywood that we have ticket selling, ticket driving, power. We can fill theaters up. Mm. We can we can make sure that DVD and digital releases break records. Like how many times, how many ways do we have to show? Like what what's missing? I think continued support, I think, is always what we're gonna need. Right. But I also think we need to nurture our upcoming artists. And mm. what I mean by that is like, you know, Jordan Peele had like a big success with Get Out. Get Out. You know, which is awesome, you know, but how many artists are we really like training and nurturing? There's so many schools, especially like in lower income areas, like they don't have a drama program, you know. So if you want to be a a filmmaker or a playwright or whatnot, you have to go through school waiting until hopefully college to where you even have a chance to learn about... And now you're so far behind the curve. Exactly. Versus being able to indulge and learn and all of that while you're growing up, you know? So I think that it's not only supporting, but it's also supporting youth in terms of like, in educating them. Like, I didn't know what there was to do in the film industry besides being an actor Mm -hmm. and being a director. Like, I didn't know that there were, I didn't know what a writer's room was, you know? I didn't know that there were what producers do. I didn't know that there's people that specifically only focus on the lighting, you know? But But like, those are all things that I learned like once I got into it. But I think literally learning to educate and inform 
and support those youth that have an interest in the arts. It's what's going to help us get people employed and and get people to create their own studios and things like that. So it's like, okay, now we have our own. It's not just about in front of the camera. That's a whole process. You you still deal with racism and bias, right? We all do. Yeah. But how have you been able to remove the power mm. from the bias you experience or the racism while not allowing it to redirect or alter or or kill your dreams? How have you been able to do that? And actually, to add a little bit more, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. both from the standpoint of being Black and then being a Black woman, because I have a feeling it's probably coming from both angles. It you. is for sure. I feel like that's where looking up to the Shonda Rhimes and mm-hmm. the Oprahs helps me because I see that it can be done. And I see that no matter what I face, whatever, whatever, I don't matter what bias I face, I see that it can be done. Like, mm-hmm. I am very aware that every single time I drive up to a Tyler Perry Studios, I am looking at a miracle in action. You know, I'm looking at one of the largest studios in the Southeast that was literally birthed from... Right. Nothing. Literally. Birthed from a a play, you know, one play, you know. So, um, so for me, it is constantly, you know, making steps and strides in the direction of, okay, look, I, I am at somebody else's, I'm at, I am literally working at the physical manifestation of a dream, you know, and hard work, you know. And so that helps keep me motivated despite biases, despite, whatever may come in. And I'm still learning, especially being a female, you know, um, learning how to use my voice, learning how to um, speak up about, no, like that role needs to be this, you know, like this is from a woman's, especially a black woman's perspective. I don't believe that, you know, so those are all things that I'm still on the path to learning as well. Right. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. It almost feels like it Mm. would be impossible to sit in a place like a Tyler Perry Studios and not be inspired and motivated. Because Absolutely. I mean, to your point, you are literally sitting inside of something yes. that was birthed from nothing and born into a world with nothing but obstacles around it. Absolutely. Yet success was still found and achieved. Right. And, the, and so it like, continues to. Like, yes. Like it, and, it, and the thing is, is like, and what I appreciate is, you know, when I look at where I work and like what I talked about ownership as well, it's like, you know, like none of this, like, who would have imagined, like, a big studio would be in Atlanta, you know, right. like, 10 or 15 years ago? Like, people making, you know, top-rated television shows and films and whatnot. Like, this, like, I think that for the artists, it's so easy to think, well, I have to go to Los Angeles. I have to get, you know, MGM or, you know, Warner Brothers to love me, and I have to work hard, and then I'll be good, you know? Right. But I think, like, I don't know where that comes from to see a vision and birth it in, like, the least likely of places and say, like, nope, I'm not going to wait for them to, to like, to, you know, to say it's okay. Like, I'm just going to do it, you know? So I, I am constantly inspired by that. Yeah, and the courage that takes. And the courage. And fortitude. Right, like, the courage wow. to be an artist and not wait for someone to tell you that your work is like is good or is mm-hmm. worthy of being seen, you know. I'm dope and I know it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I'm gonna go for it. Yes. <laughs> All right. Mm. So changing it up just a little bit. What What are your thoughts here? Do we need more acceptance and inclusion of 
black culture and black actors in traditional entertainment Hollywood? Ooh. Or do we need more entertainment entrepreneurs to create more opportunities by Ooh. us, for us, with us, owned by us? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, Welcome to Wild Black. I know, I love it, I love it. You know, I am more of a fan that we need more black entertainment entrepreneurs. And and um, and that's going to take time, you right. know. But I, I think of like a Bob Johnson, you know, who yeah, yeah. is awesome, like created a BET. But imagine if he still owned it, <laughs> you know. Right. You know, um, so I think we do need more black uh, entrepreneurs in the entertainment entertainment industry, and not just like in production, like content creation, like oh, like the fact that you're black and you own the editing, you know, editing bay, you know, or you know, post production office, like right. that's going to help. Um, but I, I would rather see black entrepreneurs really come up and start to do some really interesting and creative things for sure. So, what what type of things would you tell them to find their way to us? So I, I think about. Like you mentioned, Lena Waithe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about Issa Rae, and I can remember maybe 2011, 12, in that time mm-hmm. frame, like watching Awkward Black Girl on YouTube. Yeah. Which, if you watch it now, it actually, that became insecure in, right. in a way. Like, what, how do you recommend people go from where they are mm. to where they want to be? Ooh. I think it takes a lot of guts, <laughs> for sure. sure. I think it takes a lot of guts. I think it takes a lot of courage. I think it takes um, a lot of, um, like, I'm just such a fan. And, th- and this is something that, like, I feel like I deal with is not waiting to be validated. I right. think that's a big, 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 big thing. But also thinking differently. I think that the reality of, we live in a world of, like, social media where you can do something, create something, and build your own audience without the big brands, whatever, necessarily backing you. Like you right. can really, you can really build an audience um, on your own. And I think like once you build um, an audience, like there are things that you can do that you can continue to monetize, influence, and inspire with the audience that you've built. So I think I love that, how you're talking about Wild Black right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, so I think that like, I think that for me, I think in terms of getting to that next level, I think, one, you're going to have to have the boldness and the courage. You're going to need other people to help you get there. But I think, like, don't, don't, um, like, I think you have to realize that you have power of building an on, your own audience that can really help you go from one place to the next, for sure. Yeah. So this is one I asked Dewey this question. Yeah. And, and I want to ask you, it's one, of, it's one of my favorite things to tell people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have my own thoughts about how they do it. But mm-hmm. I don't think you can have enough perspective on this. So as we're talking to this community, right? Mm-hmm. African-American community, black folks. So many of us live in environments where we just don't see what mm. we can become, right? You talked yes. earlier about the fact that you didn't know all the things that you be- that you could become outside of an actor mm-hmm. in, in Hollywood or in the entertainment. So what advice do you have for people who may be listening, mm-hmm. who right now can't, they can't dream further than they can see, right? All mm-hmm. they see is what's directly in front of them. So that's all they know how to achieve. How do they find their way to, to dreaming about being something more than they even think possible today? Oh, that's a great question. Um, the immediate word that came up for me is exposure, you know? 
And like, I think about myself, like I did not grow up like wealthy at all. Like we, I call my family like a just making it family. Like right. we got our bills paid like every month. Like, okay, you know. But I grew up around wealthy black families like, you know, that went to my church. And I know that the exposure of seeing more than what my family had helped motivate me mm-hmm. to become, who wants to become something more than, you know, what my present circumstances are. I think for other Black people who want to know more, do more, be more, I think exposure is so important. And the beautiful part about it is, is like, exposure can be a YouTube video. (laughs) You know, exposure, like, there, you can literally take an acting class on YouTube. You can look up different acting classes. You can look up Stella Adler. You can look up videos of people who are in acting classes. And that's a way like to start to train yourself, you know? And that's just a YouTube on your phone, you know? Like if you can find any way to go see anybody's play, if you're an artist that is, like play, theater, whatever, that's just one, this is one step, you know? Exposure could be like, you know what, if you are... Um, you know, in high school or if you're in college or, you know, just coming out, just going to see a play, you know, like that. I think exposing yourself to things that you weren't quite sure about, you know, is going to be really, 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 really instrumental. And it's going to it's going to change the way that you think, you know, as artists, as people. So I think finding that exposure, I think, is really important. Thinking about the overall, like the industry itself, and I was thinking about the population Roughly 12, 13% African American, and then the rest is, or African American and other minorities, I think, are less than 20%. Mm-hmm. And then 80% being more of uh, white, white people. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, in that, the, the, it may, is it, is it difficult to like get a body of work and then cast individuals? How does that actually work? Like, do, do people say, hey, I need, you know, an African American to play this role or I need a Caucasian to play this role. How does that how does that work? Pretty much that way. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh for the most part, but you know, I I will say now that inclusion and diversity um you know, are 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 hot topics now. It's a, a little a little bit different, but a lot of times like I uh, you know, a producer will say I'm looking for um, you know, Caucasian woman in her 20s for this particular role. But there are some roles that are open ethnicity. And we're seeing that a lot in casting breakdowns mm-hmm. now. So a lot of roles will say like open ethnicity for a project as well, which means they're not limited to, you know, one specific type. But it depends. I've had both. Some roles, we are looking for something very specific. Other yeah. roles, it's it's open. So you know? how, does, how does like the pipeline of talent look? Like how do you... How do you tap into something like that? Like, it's not like a LinkedIn for business folks, right? Yes, there is a LinkedIn. So we have, there's a couple of different services. Um, I use um, what's called like breakdown services or breakdown express. There's also like casted and casting networks. And essentially they're kind of like what they are as an actor or an agent can create a profile. And then when I say, hey, I'm casting this movie and we're looking for this, 
the actor or the agent can submit directly to me. So that's how I get my okay. talent. Gotcha. And so literally it's just a process of an actor either creating a profile or the agent creating a profile for the actor and then submitting that way. And we work a lot with talent agencies. So a lot of times we are reaching out to agencies who have vetted their actors to say, hey, I'm looking for this. You know, I had to look mm-hmm. for like a wrestler sometime, one time. Like, does anybody represent a wrestler in Atlanta? You know, so things like that, you know, those are the type of roles that we are looking for. And that's how we find our talent. What's, what's your most memorable discovery of talent? Oh, gosh. Most memorable discovery? Mm-hmm. Most memorable discovery? I've had some pretty awkward, like, there was one project that like, we had to find like a male stripper. So that was difficult. <laughs> you know, like, because a lot of like, that that's something where agents don't, you know, represent, you know, a lot, not many, you know, or at least if they do, they're representing as actors, you know. So those were, that's been kind of, that's been definitely a feat. Um, it depends. Like we've just had, we've had a lot of different type of roles, whether it be singers or dancers or like I said, the wrestler that we had to find or having to find someone who's like something very specific. So we've had some interesting, interesting times for sure. Yeah. Along those same lines, right? We we always hear stories about people who say, I was discovered walking in the mall. Yeah. Right. So as you talk about sometimes <laughs> looking for very specific types of people. Yeah. How are you finding them outside of, talent agencies like how often do you walk in the mall be like yo do you want to be in a movie sometimes it happens I've I've gone to YouTube I have used YouTube for sure we had to find some uh, kid singers like but they had to be like amazing singers YouTube all day so YouTube I always highly um, uh, tell artists like one have an online profile period but two if you're a singer Choose somebody's really popular cover because that seems to, you know, put people on. So if right. someone's looking for Beyonce or, you know, whoever is hot right now and you sing a cover of it, like, that's a great way to find, you know, for, for talent scouts to find you. But I have I have come up to people at the gym and asked if they were, they were artists. I've run into people at the grocery store um, uh, getting my hair done or something like that. So you never know who you're going to be you're around. About niggas in Kroger. Yes. Right? Like, I'm about to get discovered like, by the seller. Exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, but I've gone, and I've had to do some kind of unconventional casting where we've had to go out and find them versus them coming to us. So. Well, I'm going to ask a question about that in a second, but I, I want to ask this question real quick because this is something that I think comes up relatively often. It's probably not all that popular, but we, we talk about it. So, when you think about organizations, right? Mm-hmm. And forget industry at this point. We think about organizations, Nike, you can look at Burberry or Macy's or any organization that's out there. Mm-hmm. They're for profit, right? Someone yeah. established these organizations to sell product or services, make money, have margin, take profit home. But I feel like sometimes in the black community, we have a different set of expectations Mm -hmm. that put our black businesses more in the space of like social responsibility. Mm. And I'm not saying this is good or bad because again, I have my views, but what do you, what do you make of this? Right. Do you Mm. think that as, as a black people in black culture, we do tend to push our businesses to be more socially aware, especially when it comes to our empowerment and our opportunities. Right. So I can think back maybe a year ago, Tyler Perry Studios caught some fire because people were not literally caught fire. But <laughs> I heard there were a lot of people who were talking about he should be putting more people through college and mm. things like that. Granted, I'm sure he does all that kind of stuff and doesn't right. publicize it. Yeah. But is that fair? 
I think it's awesome if we do it, but is right. it fair? Offhand, I don't think that it's fair, but I also think there's a lot of things that people are doing that we just don't know about right. either. But I don't, I do think that essentially, like if you're an African American with a business, like, especially a for profit business, the goal is for profit, you right. know? And I think one of the issues is, is that we don't Capitalism. have, a, right? It's like a, there's so many black businesses where that is maintaining or having a system where that for-profit is working for them is causing them to fail, you know? Right. And um, if if a black business wants to be socially conscious or maintain that social responsibility, great. But I don't think it's something that should be expected right. of them. Their goal is to have the best whatever business, restaurant, laundromat, whatever it is that is for-profit and for them. So. Right. I mean, I look at it like Art and I both do well financially from our jobs mm-hmm. and side things that we do. And we both have the outlook, right? I'm, I need to make sure I have enough money to take care of my household. Yeah. But I, I, I give my time to organizations. Yes. I, I put my money behind organizations. I put yeah. my money into political candidates. I'm the guy, like, I've been in Walmart and bought a woman who I met in Walmart who I believe to a story, $100 in groceries, right? That's just right. my example, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, you but, said that real crazy. He bought a woman in Walmart. <laughs> and my wife was with me. <laughs> we put that out there. And she supported it. Right. But, but real talk, like, I do feel like we put these unnecessary stipulations. I think at the end of the day, we want to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. But it's it doesn't feel right when you're told you have yes. to do this. Like, no, let me, I want to do it. And if you just let me do it, I'll actually do more. Yes. I, I've always just felt it was just unfair. And right. I don't have to to publicize the things right. that let I'm doing. Let me do me. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the thing. Like, the, the expectation, I think it's an unfounded expectation for yeah. black businesses. And, mm-hmm. and people to just be overly generous or, or philanthropic, if if you may, to other black causes. I think we, we have a, unrealistic expectation for some businesses sometimes. True story. I think the larger impact is what we can do individually. You know, mm-hmm, like, true. instead of making this big pronouncement about, like, how this business is, you know, infecting yeah. the community, like, you giving somebody a pair of shoes is, is a, uh, you know, is something that you're doing for the community. You right. know? Absolutely. So, yeah. All right, so, an important question that I think anyone who is interested in this industry needs to hear from a credible person. So, for anyone on Facebook or listening to the radio mm-hmm. and they want to get into acting, you constantly hear or see these ads that say, hey, we're casting for such and such. Yeah. Please come on down to this building annex suite 204 at 7 yeah. p.m. No dollars needed. And then you go in and you go through the whole session. At the end, they tell you, we only need $500 to go do your headshots. Yeah. And you can get them done anywhere, but we can do them here. Right. So break it down for people. Are those legitimate? And how do people really, how do you get a real talent agent? And how do you really break in? So there are some, especially like I have run into this many times where I've been auditioning actors or run into actors and they're like, hey, I paid $300 for this. Does this say that we can audition? I'm like, that's not legitimate like you should you will never should never be paying anyone to audition or get in the door or anything you know you should never be paying an agent you know to represent you because the agents make money when you make money right um so my thing is and there is a big lack of 
understanding and education about like, how do I begin? You know, for me, one, you begin with taking an acting class. And actually, a lot of classes, especially the legitimate classes, will let you audit a class. That means that you could just mm. sit in the class for free. You know, if you're not sure whether it's going to be the right fit for you, you can always ask to audit a class. They'll at least have one class where you can just sit in it for free, talk to the actors, talk to the teacher to see if this is something that works for you. So one, to audit a class, audit an acting class. One, see if you like it before you commit to however much it costs. Two, once you've gotten to the point where, you know, you've taken some classes, like invest in a good headshot and resume. You can literally look up photographers who do headshots. Um, make sure that they do headshots because there are a lot of people who don't do headshots. Um, Listen, but, you don't have to take your clothes off. For right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. If they give you a mink robe. Or right, that's fur. the wrong place to be. I'm gonna need you to walk away. Right, it's right. more than a headshot. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or you're gonna be given a different type of headshot. <laughs> <laughs> Leave now. <laughs> Leave now. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, invest in a good headshot. Google what an acting resume looks like. Right. Google what that looks like, and all of this you can find out from taking a class. But like, those are all things that don't require thousands of dollars to get started. That's literally just you taking a class, getting a good headshot, knowing what a good resume looks like. When it comes to getting an agent, it's hard. It's hard for anybody to get agent, an agent in any city, but a lot of agents on their website have an open enrollment period. They have an audition period. Um, a lot of agents attend showcases. So there's a lot of ways to get people to see you. You just have to start talking. You have to start, you have to have your tribe of actors. Honestly, people are always asking me, which I love, you know, but honestly, the actors are actually doing it. So right. it's important to like network with other actors. So how do you like your agent? How did you get started? Like, you know, you had like your headshot. Who did your headshot? Like that's going to be you know, the best resource for you. Cool. Earlier, you talked about YouTube. You gave, you gave a few more resources then. So just in general, take a couple of seconds and kind of educate the listeners to what are some good resources that you have yeah. at your fingertips right now to go from where you are to partly where you're trying to be? Absolutely. Um, you know, like I, I mentioned that I put, I put 90 five percent of my auditions on what's called it's actorsaccess.com or breakdown studio or breakdown services. That's where you'll find where I'm auditioning mm -hmm. most of the time. Um, and that's where a lot of people put their works as well. Um, if you just go to like the SAG, which is the Screen Actors Guild website, they have a whole list of agencies in the Southeast. Or mm. if you're in L.A. or New York, they have a whole lot of agencies that are SAG franchise that are legitimate that say we abide by these rules, you know. Um, so that's a wonderful resource. Um, Facebook, there are so many actor support groups on Facebook that are categorized by city that... Mm. You know, there's so many forums that you can really reach out to people and say, hey, like, how did you, you know, what has what your experience been like? Especially since so many actors are moving to Atlanta. Like, right. what is it like? Like, what is it like to be an actor in Atlanta? How many times do you audition? Um, who's your agent? Like, do you have to have an agent? Like, all those things are really, really going to be beneficial. YouTube, when it comes to education, I just feel like any show that you want to watch or whatnot, it's there. Um, and then no matter what city you are in, especially if you're in the Southeast, my homework that I give all actors is to watch at least one episode of every single show that's in your area. So if you watch, if you live in Atlanta, 
then you should be watching at least one episode of the Have and Have Nots, Walking Dead, Stranger Things. You live in Atlanta. You got a lot of you, TV to you watch. Do. You sure do. But the reality is like, that's what you're going to be auditioning for. Mm, so you need to point. know what you're going to be realistically auditioning for. Mm, that's, a, that's a really good point. Okay, so I've got to ask the obvious question that everyone wants to know. How does someone get a job at Tyler Perry Studios? <laughs> and, and, and I do mean specifically either in front of the camera or behind the camera because there's industry on both sides. Got you. Um, in front of the camera, it's the way I mentioned. If you have, if you get an agent, a Georgia Southeast agent, um, nine times out of 10, they're submitting to me. So um, having an agent, I love for agents to pitch. So find an agent that pitches you that pitches talent to mm. me. And I'm always looking for new talent. I'm always looking for roles to fill. And a lot of times we got a lot of roles to fill. So definitely um, in front of the camera, get an agent, you know, find ways to have that agent contact me. But I'm always, I'm in constant contact with a lot of the agencies um, here in Atlanta. So that's probably going to be your best bet here. Um, or invite me to a play. I love going to plays. I've gone to every single school, church, high school play there is to go to. So if I'll make you... make sure my son does not hear that. Part. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm, like, I'm always going to theater, you know? So if you're an actor, invite me to something. I'd love to attend. I can't go to everything, but I'd love to attend. I'm about to say, um, your weekends just got locked up. Right, exactly. I'm like, I can't go to everything, but I'd love to, I'd love to attend. Um, how to work behind the scenes. Prayer. <laughs> um, but it, it is, I will say, um, a lot of times, like, there are some positions, like, via LinkedIn that we have. I have heard stories. A friend is my, the guy's my casting assistant. He called the studio, like, once a month for, like, three years. <laughs> That's and, real and dedication. He, and he finally got in. And, and so I've heard a couple of stories about that. Honestly, a lot of times, in terms of the positions that we're hiring, are either going to be, like, via LinkedIn or there's a website, Jobs at Tyler Perry Studios, where you can go ahead and submit your resume that way. But those are, like, the best resources to use. If you want to look, like, work in, like, behind the scenes, a lot of them are through unions. So if you want to do set deck or be a gaffer or a grip or something like that. Those are all, if you want to drive transportation, those are all through the unions. Um, so looking up the unions in Georgia that cover like those entertainment jobs. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. So one more question and then I want to hand the mic over to you and just let you tell the people what you want to tell them. Okay. So coming from the inside, can you please confirm for our audience that Tyler Perry is not offering free college tuition, <laughs> boats, planes, trains, automobiles for the first 50 people who share or like this post? I can't confirm that yet. <laughs> I can confirm. I think fifty people are like. Well, I just I think those are hilarious. Yeah. Oh my god. No, trust me, we get them. Like what? Yes, especially for actors, and I try to tell people like, look, like, like you know, my office, we do all the casting. You know, we are always, we're, we'll submit it. You'll see able to be able to see our breakdowns, but please do not fall trapped to people thinking that, you know, people will be like, well, we talk on Twitter. No, you don't. I don't know who you're <laughs> talking to, but you know, you don't, you know? So, yeah. You're talking to Tyrell Porter, sir. Exactly, right. exactly, exactly. You are getting catfish. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. So, folks, you're not finna get a job 
by sharing a post. No. You're not finna get paid. No. You're not finna get a vacation. Right, no college You're not finna spend the weekend with Medea. Just, <laughs> just stop it. Not a new car. Right. Oh. Well, Raven, it's been an amazing conversation. Yeah. I appreciate you coming on Wild Black. Thank and you. And I want to turn it over to you just for a few minutes to tell the listeners what you want to tell them. Yes. You know, I... um. I, I feel blessed every single day to be able to have a creative job and to be able to work in the arts. And, you know, I because I work with a lot of artists, like I always um, get this kind of question of like, well, what do I what, what do I do? What does it take to make it? You know, like, what am I not doing? Um, and I feel like I audition, especially so many artists that come in with this um, doubt and fear mm-hmm. and nerves. Um, and there's this quote, like one of my favorite quotes is uh, like, don't dig up in doubt what you planted in faith. Whoa, and so, I like that. That's yes. a dope quote. There. Say that one more time. Yes, don't dig up in doubt what you planted in faith. And so I think Damn, that for, real. yes, so for a lot of artists, whether it be like in Atlanta or, or other places, um, like, I know that this whole thing is a faith walk. You know, like for me, I like I think of acting as a very spiritual thing. Um, but I, I highly encourage artists, like if you've made the commitment, is this is is this if this is what you feel like is your purpose to do in this life, then you have to go at it confidently. You have to walk into every single audition room or every single meeting or every single seat at, at, at that table knowing that you belong to be there. And right. the same goes whether it be auditioning or interviewing. So my contact information, I will say I am terrible at Facebook. So <laughs> <laughs> Facebook, I struggle, but Instagram, I'm much better with. Uh, so it's just my name, which is at Raven and spelled R-H-A-V-Y-N-N. I also have a website, which is uh, www.ravendrummer.com, where if you have any questions, you can reach out to me um, and find out about any speaking things or workshops that I'm doing in the area. Art, you got anything, bro? Nope. This is phenomenal. It's been a pleasure. Thank yes. you for having me on the show. I yes, really appreciate yes, yes. it. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Well, listen, the only thing I have for you is just go out there and follow your dreams. Try to figure out a way to go from where you are to where you want to be. Um, you definitely won't get there if you don't get up and start trying today. Raven gave you a whole bunch of solid advice if entertainment is what you're interested in. So rewind, go backwards, find that information. Make sure it's applicable for you. Reach out to her if you have any needs or questions, especially if you are in the Atlanta area. And hit him with that quote one more time. <laughs> Don't dig up and doubt what you planted in faith. Don't dig up and doubt what you planted in faith. Raven, it's been amazing. Thank you so <laughs> Thank much. Thank you. Thank you. Wild yeah. Black listeners, peace. We out.